It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. From our studios in San Diego, brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center, we welcome you to our Thursday podcast as we go towards our great sports weekend. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley, <laughs> in studio in San Diego with a ton of topics on the table. There are some really unique things to talk about and some really important games that we're going to discuss. John, good afternoon. Before we get started, we want to introduce everybody to what we offer on our podcast on Thursdays, what we do with the Monday bonus podcast and how they can join us right at the end of the podcast for something that's just taken off called fans forum yeah fans forum has been a great <laughs> segment this is your chance to ask hacksaw a question or a comment just like the old days on 690 and 1090 just type in your question or comment for hacksaw in the live chat on facebook or youtube we'll get you involved in the fans forum segment and hey this is a podcast man so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and including on youtube we got we're dropping content there and follow hacksaw on all the platforms and he's blowing up on instagram especially and a reminder if you like what what we're doing. We ask you to share. We ask you to tell your friends. We ask you to subscribe. And by the way, if you like sports, have you checked my website? It's really different. I write on it every day. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Check it out. It's posted late in the evening. It's their first thing in the morning. And our Thursday podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego. You might not have any projects planned for this weekend, but down road, if there's something that pops up that you want to do in terms of construction, renovation, whatever, you're going to need content. You're going to need the equipment. You're going to need the things to help you get that project done. Think Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores in San Diego. Nine locations to serve you. John, lots of topics on the table. <laughs> Go ahead, pick one, because we're going to exchange some gunfire today. Yeah, MLB playoffs. I mean, oh. you know, it's been building, but the last few games have been kind of rough, kind of blowouts. Well, teams teams don't have enough pitching, and I think that's the biggest issue of all. But, boy, you look at who's still left in the final four, if you will, in Major League Baseball. It's bombs away. Texas, Houston, Rangers lead that series two games to one. Philadelphia tracking into Arizona this afternoon. They were up 2-0, and it's like home run derby watching the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, they hit six home runs in the first two games against Arizona. They have 15 home runs in the last four games of the playoffs. Wow. And they got 19 home runs <laughs> in October in postseason. Amazing. Bombs away. And yeah. they're hitting them at home. They're hitting them on the road. Doesn't matter who they're batting against. They're just slugging. And then lost in all the conversation because everybody's enamored with every Bryce Harper at bat. And everybody pays attention to Schwarber and his 197 batting average and his 50 home runs. And everybody looks at that Philadelphia lineup and says, God, there's nobody to pitch around. Lost in the conversation is Zach Wheeler and Aaron Noller and a really dominant bullpen. This is a complete Philadelphia Phillies team that they've put together. Texas, good frontline pitching, a lot of bats. Not sure that they should have started Max Scherzer in that third playoff game. But, I mean, he hung in there, but he did exit giving up five runs in four-plus innings. He had just come off a month-long stay 
on the disabled list. I'm still waiting, though, for Houston to erupt because they have not really done it against the Ranger pitching staff. And, you know, the Astros have got they got a big bat in Jordan Perez. Uh, he's ailing a little bit. They got Bregman. They got Altuve. They got the uh, the great veteran Jose Abreu. Uh, they've got Kyle Tucker, who's been in a terrible, terrible slump over the last calendar month, but yet they're sending him out there to play in right field. So you got Texas against Houston. So your thoughts, home run derby, Phillies, Arizona, D-backs have a chance. Your thoughts, can Houston actually make it a series here? with them being down two games to one. Well, you just said the Phillies are already up 2 nothing in, in Game 3 against... No, they're up 2-0 in the series. Oh, 2-0 in the series. But it just seems like every time I turn on the television, if I don't catch the Philly game right away... It's gone. But, Ball's going out. Yeah, immediately they're up like 1-2 runs in the first inning, every game. So, yeah, this team is loaded. And, you know, this friend of mine here in Poway, his name's David Leland. He's another podcaster, great guy. And he commented about... Arizona saying, hey, now you're not facing the Dodgers with like a decimated pitching staff. You're going up against Philly in Citizens Bank Ballpark where those fans just go crazy. And it's so loud and it's a big time pitching staff. So Arizona, man, I mean, as much as I love to see them do well, they're going to they're not going to be able to catch up to the Phillies. You look at that lineup. Brotherly love bombers. Holy cow. Everybody (laughs) can hit home runs in Philly. The brotherly of bombers and the brotherly love shove for the Eagles. Um, And then, yeah, the Astros. I just keep rooting for them to lose every time those Chiefs. I want them to go down. Um, I I remember when Scherzer was coming off the injured list, they were saying he was available for the bullpen. Then suddenly he was starting. So I don't know, Bochy probably thinking, hey, I've got this guy. He's a Hall of Famer. I may as well wheel him out for game three because, I mean, who else did he have? Well, that's a, it's a big issue. Ed Martin Perez, he had, he had a third and fourth starter he could have gone to, and he's going to go to them now. I, I was just a little surprised that they took him out of the bullpen sessions after a month on on the disabled list and gave him the ball and said, start. Now, he's a competitive cat. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of dog in that guy. And he hung in there, but he was not vintage Max Scherzer as we knew. So with Fans Forum underway, I'll throw this curveball question out to those of you on our live stream. Padre fan, Padre fan, do you think if the Friars had made the playoffs They'd still be playing now. Would they be facing the Phillies in the National League Championship Series again? John? That's a great question. Well, first of all, the answer is no, because they kept bombing and choking and underachieving all year. They ran out of pitching, too. And they ran out of pitching, and then they they run out of catchers and everything else. But, you know, if in order for the Padres to be where the Diamondbacks are this year, they would have had to essentially repeat what they did the previous year. I don't know if they would have been able to do that because they were kind of, you know, it was like MacGyver at the end with, you know, duct tape and bailing wire to kind of hold the thing together. Um, so, yeah, who knows? I mean, but still, like we talked about last time, the Phillies have all the swag, all the energy that we thought the Padres were supposed to be this year. Yeah, the No, the correct phrase is the Phillies and Bryce Harper are everything that Manny Machado and the Padres are not. There you go. Sorry it's insulting, <laughs> but that's the facts, Jack. That's Here's it. a sidebar question. Okay. If the Dodgers had gotten to this series, if the Dodgers had not gone one for 21 with their top two bats and had the burn down, meltdown with their starting pitching, if the Dodgers had gotten into the round with the Phillies, what do you think that series would have been like? Same result. You know, oh, okay. because yeah, while the hitting would have been better with the Dodgers, assuming Mookie and Freddie, you know, came off the, um, you know, kind of rose from the dead, 
they still have all those young kids pitching, you know, Pepio and Stone and Miller. And most likely those bombers <laughs> are going to tee off. Castellanos will probably still be getting two home runs a game. Yeah, so you don't think the kids would have done well in home run derby? Uh, doubtful, doubtful. Okay, so we got baseball playoffs to talk about. Let's go from that to what's going on off the field. Interesting story here, John. Yeah, this is this kind of caught my attention, too, because we've talked about Buck Showalter, but Mount, maybe Dusty Baker as well? Here's the inside story that I've been able to get. Dusty Baker has not been offered a contract extension in Houston, despite what he has accomplished the post-cheating scandal. Dusty Baker is feuding with their front office. He's tired of the analytics and the tampering and the badgering and his owner, Jim Crane. There's a theory that Dusty may leave Houston at the end of the season. And if that's the case, now you got two managers who've both been in the dugout for 26 years, both with a lot of success, Dusty a bit more than Buck, available to be hired. Uh do you have the Angels inside phone number? We'll just go. That's area code 714, I know. Yeah. Um, if Dusty becomes available at the end of the Astros playoff run with Buck, I mean, that's two marquee guys. And that, to me, is what the Halos need. Um, Dusty Baker, unbelievable. To get him to where they are. Pitching problems, first half of the season. Catching problems. A little bit of slumps at the end of the year. In 26 years, his record, Hall of Fame numbers, 2,237 wins in 26 years with five teams. Now, Buck has already said, I want to interview and I want to manage immediately, and I'm interested in the Halo job. Uh, In 26 years, Buck Showalter, 1,737 victories. He's managed in a lot of bad situations. Texas was a disaster. Baltimore was with a bad owner and a rebuild. And what he did early on with the expansion, Arizona Diamondbacks, pretty impressive. So are you shocked that Dusty might exit? And if he had Dusty and Buck, who's going to hire him? That's a great question. You, definitely the Angels are in on this. The Giants have an opening, right? Cleveland's and got an opening. Cleveland's got an opening. You know, there's talk. I've heard rumors that Melvin said he's in in San Diego, but he might go out the back door and go back to San Francisco, would leave the Padres with an opening. But, you know, Dusty Baker is a cool dude, isn't he? I mean, he played ball with Hank Aaron on the Braves mm-hmm. in the 70s. He smoked pot with Jimi Hendrix way back in the day. Um, he's a great guy, and he'd be a, a thrill to have as any kind of a manager or leader gets instant respect. Buck is more of a hardcore guy, though, isn't he? Is he more of a disciplinarian, more of a, a Marine, you know, drill sergeant type? Buck, when the stories of Buck Showalter in Arizona are unbelievable of all the stuff that he did. He wanted control over every facet, the, the, the colors of the paint on the wall, in the locker rooms, in the clubhouse. He, he's the one that designed, if you recall, their first uniforms were turquoise and purple. Oh, yeah. yeah. He designed that. Really? Yeah. So is it unfair to say control freak? But the guy has won a lot of games <laughs> in Major League Baseball. And I, I think the Angels are just, they're in a great situation and they desperately need Credibility, huge, yeah. And I, I, if Dusty becomes available on top of Buck, I'd be, I'd be going to Houston to interview Baker, and I'd make sure mm-hmm. I got to Virginia to sit down with Buck Showalter and the Angels. They got to hire, and they got to hire quick because these are two really good guys. I hope they don't 
make a mistake here. Well, d- well, could just quickly, Dusty gave the Astros instant credibility after the scandal. Sure. So, yeah, he's terrific. Showalter, though, man, he was checking Joe Musgrove's ears, right? So he He's just, a competitive, fierce dude. Yeah, but he's just, you know, well, that was a little too far for me. So I'm more of a Dusty fan than a Buck fan. Okay, let's go from that to what's going on in this town. Are you ready to dive into the rumor mill? Yeah, the rumor mill. Juan Soto, maybe on the trade block. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here for the Padres. A lot of conversation. You know, A.J. Preller a week ago, and we talked about this, said we're going to try to sign Juan Soto to a contract extension right now, but we would never say no to listening to offers. While the report in The Athletic is that there are at least four teams that are intrigued and prepared to make offers for Juan Soto in a trade between now and when free agency starts, the night the World Series end, and the winter baseball meetings in early December. Now, remember, this is the guy that rejected through his agent $440 million in Washington when the Nationals were a good team. So I don't know whether the Padres can get this guy to sit at the table and actually accept the $40 million package or a $50 million a year deal. And I don't know how deep, how long an extension the Padres want to give. So the burning question on fans' forum for Padre fans, you want to sign him now? What are you willing to pay for him? Or should you shop him and try to get a lot back? Okay, the Athletic has reported the Yankees would be willing to part with their top minor league pitcher, Michael King, second pitcher, Joni Brito, and one of their young outfielders, possibly Evero Pariva. Boston would part with established outfielder Alex Verdugo, the ex-Dodger, who's done mm-hmm. very well at Fenway Park, uh, Jarn Duran, outfielder, top young pitcher Tanner Houck. Now, he's had some health arm issues. Seattle's in the running. They got a whole laundry list of young arms. Evidently, the one that they might be willing to part with is George Kirby. There's a really good young outfielder, Gabe Gonzalez, who's ready to go to Seattle from Tacoma. And there's a couple minor leaguers that might be in that package. And then there's the Giants. Evidently, the Giants are trying to make a statement as to who they're going to be all about. Remember, a year ago, they came this close to getting Carlos Correa, which would have been a credibility move. Mm -hmm. Well... Soto, that's about as big time as you get if you get him to San Francisco. But the price tag would probably be Kyle Harrison, their top young pitcher, who's very impressive. Luis Matos, young outfielder, fly chaser, can run like hell, and a couple of other prospects. So those are the four that the Athletic has theorized from their sources are ready to make an offer to the Padres. So what do the Padres do? And which is the best of these offers, Yankees, Red Sox, Seattle, San Fran? This is really intriguing because if the Padres have to go from $253 million a year down to two hundred, I think Soto has to be dealt, you know, and you've got to be able to optimize your payroll. Uh, I still think, though, it's more likely he'll be traded than if he will re-sign with the Padres, either this offseason or next. Um, but I look at those deals. The other name that I heard from the Yankees was Spencer Jones, who actually played ball on Carlsbad. So there's a lot of interesting names there. But if you were to get, um, you know, pitching and outfield help, because they definitely need more bats in the outfield, it could work. But I don't think any of those packages are as good as what we sent to Washington. You wouldn't get the equivalent of the six that you sent to the Nationals right. here. 
Now, we don't know all the other prospects that are in the deal, but Michael King is highly regarded with the Yankees. Duran and Verdugo, those are two pretty good outfielders at Fenway Park. Kirby is part of the front of the rotation with the Mariners. And I really like the giant Harrison Matos. Only time will tell. Now, if you're going to trade him, trade him now. We're going to wait to the trading deadline. Do you lose leverage if you're trying to do it on July 31st as compared to now? You know, if you if you can trade him now, you trade him now. That because when you get to July 31st, it, it, then he's he's clearly a rental for only two months. So you'll be lucky to get really anything back. So I say, I mean, my preference is keep him, sign him if you can have him a long term deal. That you should do that, but. I don't know how Seidler is going to make this work. It's just a math problem. So, yeah, maybe you deal him now and hopefully you can kind of restructure the team and maybe restructure the chemistry in the in the clubhouse. And the other factor, the intangible, if you trade him now, you clear $33 million in your budget because right. that's what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. That $33 million can be redistributed to other free agents to try to patch more into the Padre roster. Yeah, exactly. Okay, from the Padres... We go to what's going on at Dodger Stadium in Chavez Ravine, and they're not real happy. No, they're not. The Dodger fans are still cranky. You know, they they got ousted in in a sweep against the Diamondbacks, and everyone's calling for someone's head. Well, Andrew Friedman invoked this phrase again, like it's something creative, organizational failure when the Dodgers get swept by Arizona. I'm sorry. He used that same phrase last year when they got nailed by the Padres. Uh, You know, his... Vote of confidence is to everybody. Friedman, his general manager, his analytics guy. No change is coming. But at the end of the day, this team has won so much in the last decade under Dave Roberts and has just won World Series. They've been to the Fall Classic only three times. That's not what I would call a dynasty. Uh, you know, I think the other the, the weird thing about this whole thing after this vote of confidence, the Dodgers are only 53 and 49 in postseason. Under Dave Roberts, 53 and 49 after 500 win seasons on the year. Now, Andrew Friedman said after the vote of confidence and said, we win as a a team, we lose as a team. We're going to operate at the top of free agency, which means they got the payroll to go make deals. So here's the question. Shohai Otani, price tag $40 million to be your DH with the hope he becomes... DH pitcher a year from now once he's fully recovered from the elbow surgery. Price tag on Otani will be $40 million. That's what I've been told by agents. Blake Snell is out there. Price tag $25 million. The Dodgers are going to have a fair amount of budget space. Mm-hmm. Now, that's with or without Kershaw retiring. If Kershaw comes back at $30 million. But if you go back and look at, and I, I made the list of guys they could let go free. That starts with Julio Urias, who... They've excommunicated. Yeah, really. They're going to have the ability to transfer money from outgoing guys towards Otani and towards Snell. What would you think if the Dodgers wound up getting Shohei for 40 and Snellzilla for 25? That sure seems to me to solve an awful lot of their problems. Wow. I mean, imagine that, because then you'd have those two frontline pitchers. Well, Shohei wouldn't be for another year, but you have all those young kids. You know, I think they were trying to make space for them. It would just be really upsetting to see Snell go to the Dodgers. I mean, that would just be a 
like when Kevin Brown went to the Dodgers in 1999. Um, I still think, you know, you were talking about the Giants before. Shohei, my, I, San Francisco, don't don't count them out because they do need a marquee guy. But boy, both of those guys, ooh. But you're right. They can move some money around. Now, just as an aside, this is kind of a thing that always freaked me out, is I remember when Kershaw signed originally for $30 million a year. And that sounds like an enormous amount of money. If you do the math, if you assume he gets 30 starts a year, that's a million a start. Assuming 100 pitches a game, that's $10,000 every time he pitches the ball. Can you believe that? You're big on calculus. My Isn't that incredible? It you is. know, and so 30 million is like roughly 10,000 bucks a pitch. Well, he might even just take a discount to stay at Dodger Stadium because it's the Dodgers and that's yeah. his history and that's yeah. his legacy and one player, one team for a, an unbelievable Hall of Fame career. The Dodgers are evaluating. Does Kershaw come or go? Andrew Friedman said that's the left-hander's decision to make. We want him back. There will be no Urias. You know, guys guys who have big money, who they might not pick up options are, Max Muncy, mm, yeah. um, that possible. Peralta is a one-year rental. J.D. Yeah. Martinez had a great season, so one-year rental. Right. So there are ways to move dollars around. And the other factor in the equation, and lost in all the conversation, you just mentioned the kids, all five of those young pitchers, going to be given a chance to reestablish themselves in the rotation. Yeah. And they're all at very affordable prices because they're pre-arbitration kids. Yeah. So the Dodgers, and they were below the luxury tax this year, they've got the wherewithal to do it. Hey, so you're a Dodger fan. I want you to respond on fans' forum. Would you do that? Would you commit 40 to Otani on a multi-year deal and then go after Blake Snell based on what would be Look like a Cy Young Award season for $25 million. Does that radically change what Dodger baseball is after this organizational failure that they just had? <laughs> hey, we get to halftime. Our Thursday podcast is we're kicking off our great sports weekend. John, remind everybody about Fans Forum and remind everybody how they can be involved with us every day of the week by subscribing. Yeah, so Fans Forum, get involved. We've got a lot of guys that are jumping in. Angel has been flooding the Fans Forum hotline here. But uh, we got Angel in there. We got Gary. Uh, we got, um, who, who is that? Is that Raul in that list? So there's a bunch of guys here that want to get involved. So if you've got a question or comment about the Padres, the Dodgers, the MLB playoffs, we're about to talk NFL in a bit, anything for Hacksaw, just type your question or comment into the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved. And yeah, I mean, geez, we, we, we got like these podcasts twice a weekly. The numbers are blowing up across all the social media. And what makes this work is you subscribing to what we do. And by the way, there's nothing in society, nothing that's free of charge. We <laughs> let you subscribe free. So you subscribe, you immediately get notification every time we put something up on our YouTube channel. And that happens on an almost daily basis. And we want you to share. You guys text and email and Instagram and all that. <laughs> all your followers, all those on your team, tell them about what we're doing with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's YouTube channel. And by the way, since you've got a lot of spare time after you do all that, go to my website. That's the address right on the top of the screen, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. You need to check it out. It's all written. We cover a ton of stuff. With apologies, what I do is better than what the newspapers do <laughs> yes. in terms of wall-to-wall, across-the-table cover-the-waterfront type 
world of sports. Hey, we're at halftime. Let's talk Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center stores. You might have projects you've been thinking of. Maybe you're not going to do it next weekend. But when it comes time to do projects around the home, we want you to remember this name. Projects Dixie Line Lumber. Nine stores to serve you in San Diego County. More than 100 years in business. If you're looking for guidance, if you're looking for recommendations on materials, if you got somebody that's going to help you with a project, guide them towards Dixie Line because, John, they'll help you get all the things you need to complete the project at prices that you can afford, and the service at Dixie Line is unbelievable. Yeah, doors, windows, kitchen, bath, decking, lumber, they've got it all. And, yeah, they've been around in San Diego for over a century. That's amazing. Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Fix it. Build it. For fall, we guarantee we will you you will enjoy it. Thanks to Dixie Line. Projects, projects, you can accomplish them at Dixie Line Lumber. We move on to the second half. Big weekend of NFL games right there on the board. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, and then we we, we had the Monday night game, Dallas and the Chargers, and the Chargers are charging again. Uh, This is a tough week. Chargers in a very short week. They got a lot of guys dinged up. Very short practice week. Get on the plane to go to Kansas City on Friday. Not an easy trip. Not an easy venue. Let's flip back for a minute and look. Justin Herbert versus Dak Prescott. I mean, I guess to a degree it was a really ugly game, John. But I'll tell you, the defenses, they just had their way. And the pressure those two quarterbacks were under was phenomenal. And they stood in there and made plays. They got chased out of the pocket. They moved the pocket. They made plays on the run. They ran with the football, too. Justin Herbert played pretty competitively, considering he was under siege the whole night. The Chargers chased Prescott all over the place, and that looked like vintage Dak Prescott from very early in his career, where he would move the pocket and run, he'd move the pocket and throw on the run, and he was unbelievably accurate. He had a ton of plays downfield in that game. Uh, I just just thought it was a, a tremendous game in terms of strategy and I'm coming to get your quarterback and how's the quarterback going to handle it Justin Herbert couldn't match everything that Dak Prescott did Cowboys wide receivers made a bunch of plays Tony Pollard the running back catch and run had over 110 all-purpose yards uh, the pass rush on both both sides of the line of scrimmage was really really fierce now I will tell you the quarterback's taking an enormous amount of heat right now and I, I think it's kind of unfair um, Dak, uh, Justin Herbert, you know, he's, he's got some challenges here because they don't have a heavy-duty running game. I think the offensive line has been kind of leaky to the point of almost being awful this season. You know, in that game on Monday, he took a sack, 12 pressures, 7 hits. I thought the line let him down. Offensive line had 7 penalties in the game. And, of course, the Charger defense, there were third-down personal foul penalties. It kept Dallas drives alive, 20 penalties in the game. Uh, this The statistics are staggering. So we are five games into the Chargers season. They have given up 75 plays of plus 10. That's 75 <laughs> first downs. They have given up 25 plays of plus 20. Wow. And they've given up five plays of plus 50. Jeez. Really? 
So your reaction, Dak versus Justin, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was frantic. And Prescott made a few more plays than Justin did. Well, yeah, I was flipping back and forth between this game and the MLB playoffs. But it it got interesting at the end. And in the fourth quarter, Dallas goes down and drives and scores. And the Chargers get the ball back, you know, with what it was about a minute or two minutes left. And sure enough... Justin Herbert, he's under a lot of pressure, but he threw an interception there at the end. And it was just typical Chargers. I mean, just blowing it at the end, um, you know, and, and blowing it at the end at home. So, God, I mean, that's I mean, how long is Brandon Staley going to stick around as head coach? He's under siege. There's an awful lot of criticism of Justin Herbert. I, I think the least of the problems with the Chargers is the quarterback. I got a ton of problems atop that scale. Okay, before we look at the games, let's talk about some storylines around the National Football League. There's a lot of stuff in the notebook at this hour. Yeah, the NFL notebook. This is always like a big, uh, how should I say, one of the key segments when you were on 690. Okay, let's talk about storylines around the National Football League. If your quarterback runs around, he's going to get hurt. And Justin Fields is hurt again in Chicago. He's got a significant thumb injury on his right hand. He's gone. He's probably gone for six weeks. And they just can't control him, contain him. He's got this DNA that he's got to move the pocket and he's got to run. He's, you know, he's a big athlete. There's no doubt that he's got speed, but he keeps taking hits. He keeps getting hurt. Bears are going to play this weekend. They're starting a Division II quarterback from Shepherd State, West Virginia. Wow. Think about that. Wow. So. <laughs> Chicago doesn't have enough players to begin with. So big blow. They just have tried work so hard with Justin Fields, and we've seen Sundays where he's really been dynamic, throwing and running. Your quarterback runs, he's going to get hurt. We knew this was going to happen. He had three injuries in five weeks, and now he's gone for the season. Anthony Richardson, AR-15, the Colts quarterback, gone. Went to three different doctors. Each doctor told him surgery fractured AC joint shoulder. It's going to take a long time for him to recover. He's got labrum problems on top of it. Uh, It's a big setback because there's no doubt that the kid is a dynamic, dynamic quarterback. But the gunslinger, Gardner Minshew, will be the starting quarterback in Indianapolis for the rest of the season. This is interesting in Philadelphia. Julio Jones has signed a free agent contract to come back Long-time Atlanta Falcon, played for the Tennessee Titans, over 13,000 yards, receiving yards. He's a really good player. Now, I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. I mean, because they've got a really good tight end in Philadelphia, and they got the former Heisman winner and Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, and they got A.J. Brown, and now you add Julio Jones. Now, maybe he's an insurance policy against injury, but he's kind of become more of a route runner than a deep threat. This story with the Raiders defensive end Chandler Jones is just horrific. He's been arrested again. This to me is a mental health thing. And I don't know where the hell his agent is. I don't know where the union is. Why there's not help to get this guy into counseling or into a psychiatric center. He's been arrested a third time in less than a month for another domestic violation of a protection order. And by the way, do you have any spare money in your pocket? <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, I don't yeah. know if you've heard about this, yeah. have decided to become part owner of a Formula One racing team in Europe. Really? They have become, there's four athletes, they're the two biggest names, who have decided to invest in Alpine One, Formula One racing. It's a 
underfunded Alpine team in F1. It's at the bottom end of the grid. Uh, but obviously, when you pour more money into it, there's a chance to spend more money and get better. So, yeah, the guys from Kansas City, they're going to be over in Europe in the offseason watching Formula One races. So those are some of the hot stories in the NFL notebook. Your response to the laundry list of names we put out there. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff here. I mean, but Travis Kelsey is just everywhere these days, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning guy. I mean, then the Taylor Swift thing. But it just reminds me a little bit of Joe Gibbs because did, wasn't he in NASCAR? Didn't he, he still own? is. He still is. Yeah, he walked away from the NFL and became an unbelievably successful Hall of Fame owner in NASCAR. Wow. Now, the, the other comment I want to make is you're showing the list of those quarterbacks, Justin Fields and, and Anthony Richardson. Think about how many quarterbacks are taken in the first round of the NFL draft that never pan out because they either get injured or they flame out, you know, like a Ryan Leaf or someone like that. I mean, the success rate for first round draft pick quarterbacks has got to be well below 50 percent. I think the failure rate in the first round, top to bottom, is really significant. The burnout rate at, at the very top is not that bad. OK, I mean, the Ryan Leafs of the world are really the exception that picks one, two or three. Mm-hmm. But there have been some horrific ones. We should do a special show well, we'll just do an NFL segment talking about draft picks and quarterbacks. But, you know, if not Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell. Uh, and back back in the day before the salary cap came in and the slotting came in for paying mm-hmm. players in the NFL, you, you could it'd be catastrophic to your salary cap if your number one pick was paid forty five million dollars and failed badly. Yeah, it would just kill your franchise, kill your franchise if he's not there. Any mm-hmm. anyhow, but. Uh, I I would say the upper echelon picks one, two, or three. The Peyton Manning types of the world, John Elway's of the world, have all worked out. But when you go top to bottom, when you get get to the back end of the first round and there's four more quarterbacks taken, and you miss on a bunch of them because they got glitches or they got flaws. Was it Achilles Smith, like a number three pick? The kid out of Oregon, yeah. yeah. And went to the no, Bengals. I don't know if he was that high, but he was he was high. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a kid that couldn't play in the national football. He was not a bad dude. And then what was the other guy's name? Was it Andre Ware that was the, the run and shoot guy from Houston? Yep. So there's been a lot of quarterbacks taken in the top ten that just nothing worked. Well you put that rain check in your pocket. We'll do <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> an NFL quarterback uh theory. All right, let's go from that because we got some great games this yeah. weekend in the NFL compared to the disaster we had during Eclipse Weekend last week when TV ratings were terrible, every one of those games was was horrific. Let's start with the Chargers, Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium. i got some numbers for you here that you're going to like. Just hold on to the table while I read these. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is 80-20 and 20 as a starter. Think about that. 80-20. and 20. Wow. Um, he's... he's just been unbelievable. 238 touchdowns, 61 interceptions. At Arrowhead Stadium, Patrick Mahomes is 42-10 and 10 as a starting quarterback at home. Amazing. And the Chargers are 2-7 and seven against Mahomes. Mahomes has got a 99 quarterback rating. Mahomes is not doing things statistically this year that he'd done the prior group of years. And it's more than just Tyreek Hill having gone to Miami. Uh, but he says we're going to play at a faster tempo. So I would I would think come Sunday when the Chargers line up, you're going to see no huddle, tempo offense. They're going to try to get this thing rolling because it hasn't been as dangerous and as explosive. Justin Herbert, and we talked about Mahomes 80 and 20, one loss record. Justin Herbert is 27 and 28. 
Oof. Isn't that hard to believe? Well, yeah. I mean, with all the dynamics and all the things he does and his touchdown to interception ratio, when he's 20, <coughs> excuse me, 27 and 28. And that's not his fault. That's leaky offensive line, lack of power running game, and multiples and multiples of problems on the defensive side of the football. And the Bolts' defense is 31th in, in the NFL and 32nd in pass defense. Chargers <laughs> are giving up 391 yards per game. So all that, they go to Arrowhead Stadium. Now, this is odd. Justin Herbert has won twice at Arrowhead, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that is. He's 2-4 yeah. and four against Kansas City in mm-hmm. his career, but both have been at Arrowhead Stadium. So here's the key. Uh, can they pass rush Mahomes enough to keep Mahomes in the pocket and not let him wander all over the place and then make the wild throws downfield? How do you double Kelsey? Considering the fact the other wide receivers in Kansas City are not playing really well, you got to double Kelsey and just make Kadarius, Tony, and Rushing Rice beat you. They somehow have to slow Kelsey down. So I, I think it's it's going to be a fascinating game, but Herbert's hurt. He's admitted he's still in pain. He's admitted he can't take snaps under center with his left hand. Oh, jeez. So I, they got a lot of problems here, and if they lose, John, it's going to be terrible. They'll be 2-4. and four. They'll be in such, <laughs> such big trouble if they lose this game. So Chargers-Chiefs, uh, Miami-Philadelphia, this is going to be fun. If you thought Buffalo-Miami a couple weeks ago was yeah. cool, yeah. what do you think is going to happen here? You got Tua versus Jalen Hurts. The intangible Miami is running the hell out of the ball with Raheem Mostert. You got D'Angelo Swift, who can run it for Philadelphia. He's had two big games this season. And then you got Tyreek catching everything that Tua throws. Miami's offense going into this game with the Eagles is averaging 498 yards per game. Miami's offense, 44% conversion on third downs. You don't see those numbers in the NFL. Wow. Philadelphia, just absolutely amazing. They're averaging 395 a game. They're giving up only 298. So, I mean, I just think this is going to be a mystical shootout to a Jalen Hurts. Those are staggering numbers. And then the third game that we'll pay attention to, this is going to be ugly. This is Baltimore Lamar Jackson versus Detroit. And the way they play defense, which slows quarterbacks down and knocks quarterbacks down and takes the ball away from quarterbacks. Um, here's, a, here's a weird stat for you. Jared Goff, who the Rams ran off, failed first-round draft pick. Jared Goff, 11 touchdowns and three picks this season, John. A 105 rating. This is a guy who couldn't play for the Rams. Got a 105 rating, mm-hmm. one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the National Football League. He's just really done well. And since last October, over the last 17 games from mid-October through this weekend, Jared Goff's got 29 touchdowns and four picks in 17 games. Wow. He's helped turn the corner with the way Lions football's played. He's 13-4 and four as a starter since last October 1st. So that that's going to be a, a weird game because you got Detroit with fierce defense, and now you got Goff who's playing really well. And Lamar Jackson having to do an awful lot of it by himself. Okay, so you match up. Tell me about <laughs> Herbert versus Mahomes, and then tell me about what's going to happen uh, to a 
uh, versus Jalen Hurts, and then the ugly game, Detroit-Baltimore. Well, yeah, I mean, every, oh, these are way better games than last week, for sure. There's no way the Chargers are going to win in Kansas City. I mean, when when you were uh, um, broadcasting and you were in Arrowhead Stadium, I mean, that is a really hard place to win. I mean, tell me some stories about Arrowhead. It's It's a bowl, steep seating. It's like the fans are right on top of your bench, and the noise is just unbelievable. And we we played there a bunch of years, and we really struggled. And we we play hard, and we turn it over, or we play hard. We had three games decided at the end of games or in overtime on punt returns or kick returns, like we were cursed. Oh my! And then we finally won. And what we did was we beat Marty Schottenheimer's team, running the hell out of the ball the year we were going to the Super Bowl with Bobby Ross. Okay. And we won that game, and that game was dirty, penalty flags everywhere. It's just a really tough place to play because you're playing Mahomes, but you're playing the fans, and they go crazy in Kansas City. So it's a very tough venue. But I give credit to Justin Herbert. He's got two wins already at Arrowhead, which a lot of quarterbacks can't say. But this is going to be hard because he's hurt. He's playing as well as he can play. Just don't think he's got an awful lot of help. And the one thing that's different about Kansas City, right, actually there's two things. It's not Kansas City as we knew with Mahomes throwing to Tyreek. That's different. The other thing that's different is their defense has gotten a lot better. They're giving, they've got a lot more athletes who can run. They've done a good job with the last two drafts. They're playing all those kids. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo's defense has only given up 292 yards per game. So it's, it's tougher to move the ball on them and complete deep passes down the field because they're so athletic on the back end. I think it's, it's going to be really hard. Well, let, let's say you're playing pickup ball and you're on the you're the captain of the team and you can pick either Mahomes or Tom Brady at their peak, you know, when they were at their best performance. Which of those two guys is the best? I mean, it, that's a hard one to pick. Sure. Maybe, maybe I mean, Mahomes might be the number one. You're reaching here for a question. That I don't need an answer to that. We know Brady's six rings and all the accomplishments yeah. and all the records. But Patrick Mahomes is 80 and 20 as a starter. Yeah. I mean, those numbers are better than Brady's numbers. Yeah, they're unbelievable. I mean, so. and, the, and he's done it in such a short amount of time. I mean, we, we know Brady is the GOAT, but I think at the end of the day, Mahomes is going to surpass Brady. And I mean, Mahomes has, what, two Super Bowls? Mm-hmm. Brady has six. So four more, definitely possible. Okay. So we got a great weekend ahead of us around the National Football League. And, of course, we'll rehash it come Monday uh, with our bonus podcast. And, by the way, looking for a Charger fan? Looking for an NFL fan? Is the criticism of Justin Herbert justified? Or you want to jump into the chat box, give us a response. Should all the blame be put on head coach Brandon Staley? We go from NFL football. Let's talk a couple of other unique sports stores here. <laughs> yeah, corner kick me a question. Poway, Penasquitos. <laughs> <laughs> USA Soccer making progress. Greg Berhalter is back. And they bombed Ghana in their last friendly game on Tuesday night, 4 nothing. And this came after the 3-1 setback to Germany. But since Greg Berhalter has re-entered as head coach, they're 3-1 in friendlies. The key thing is, Gio Reyna scored two goals. It's the best outing he's had. They changed his position. They moved him into the middle of the field rather than be a striker up on the wing. They're just experimenting right now, and that's what this whole chemistry thing is right now. But he had two goals. You got Pulisic. You got McKenney, the veteran. 
You got Ricardo Pepe, who they're trying to fast forward his progress. They got the young Mexican-American, Alejandro Zendejas, who they still have to get on the pitch and somehow get him active because he's got goal-scoring ability too. So Team USA, right now, going through these friendlies, yes, the World Cup is in 2026. They're trying to build this roster. But to see Reyna do that, and, you know, Ghana's got a bunch of guys who can run and play, you know, play on the defensive end of the pitch. To see Reyna score two goals in, a, in kind of a, a foreign position for him to play in the middle rather than out on the edge as a striker, that's that's a good sign. I just think um, they've got a lot of firepower and they're trying to develop this firepower simultaneously. Yeah, it's like Bear Halter's trying to figure out what he's got. And yeah, Ghana's good. I mean, remember they beat us in the World Cup uh, pool games way back. I don't know, mm-hmm. it was maybe four or five cycles ago. Uh, so Ghana's one of the top teams in Africa, but it's still these friendlies and it's so preliminary. I, I mean, was Ghana, did they even have their A team there? I don't even know. They had some, they had some injuries, et cetera. Not everybody has all their players together, but during the international friendlies, I mean, Team USA had a chunk of their guys, almost a full roster. So they're making progress and we'll just continue to track it as we go if you're a soccer fan. Well, last topic on the table. This is not going to go down well for fans here in the States. Oh, no. Is this more on, on, on Stan Kroenke and SoFi and all of this, Lee? This involves FIFA. And then there's also kind of a conversation here about the Olympics we're going to touch bases on. Uh, let, let's start, first of all, with the Olympics. Olympics has continued to expand the number of sports that they're going to have. And now that they have voted and they have approved Major League Baseball baseball in the Olympics. It's back. It's back. Now, the burning question, MLB and the union have not signed off on this, and they don't want to talk about it right now. Is Major League Baseball going to shut down for two full weeks in the summer to let their players go play for their country in the Olympics? Hmm. Uh, Could you see somebody turning the light out on the baseball pennant races in July and August so my guy can go pitch in the Olympics. It's a huge, huge issue. National Hockey League, is they shut down for a couple of weeks over a, a group of different Olympiads. They're not doing it anymore. They don't want to interrupt their season, and the players understand it. So I don't know where Rob Manfred is and where Tony Clark is, but this this just happened this week. So they're adding baseball. They're adding cricket, well, cricket's big. Cricket's <laughs> yeah, big in South yeah, America. It it's big in Africa. Yeah. So I, I understand in that. India, yeah, Pakistan, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In the Middle East. And they're adding flag football. Really? Flag football? Flag football. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> for men or for women? Men. For men. Yeah. And all these retired NFL players, I'm in. Wow. And Roger Goodell says, this is great. We support it. So Patrick Mahomes can play for Team USA in flag football in the Olympics while training camp's going on? No. No. no, no. But, I mean, I understand skateboarding and all the other unique things, Mm -hmm. but flag football? That's an intramural sport. I mean, that's yeah, not an Olympic sport. sport. Yeah. Fraternity sport. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Yeah. What, I mean, so baseball's in. <laughs> what about softball? Is that going to make the cut? I don't know if it did or not. There's still there's, there's a great deal of uh, concern about wrestling and weightlifting because of all the cheating that's gone on, steroid testing and all that. Yeah. Those two sports have really been stained. They are still in, but there's an awful lot of dialogue. Take them out. Interesting. Right. Flag football. Jeez. <laughs> 
That's I'm sorry. That's a bridge too far for me. That in terms is, of that, yeah. That's like yeah. Having that instead of the Pro Bowl might make sense, but yeah, yeah come on. Okay, the other the other big story has to do with what's gone on with the, the stadium in FIFA, and this is an, another development. Uh, I don't think this is good. I don't think soccer fans here should accept this laying down. FIFA has decided that SoFi Stadium will not host the championship round. And they are now gone so far to say they're not going to negotiate with Stan Kroenke to host preliminary games. You mean to tell me games are going to be played in the United States and you're not going to play games in maybe the best venue in America, SoFi Stadium, or in the biggest soccer markets, Los Angeles, San Diego, Tijuana, Mexico. Mm-hmm. You're not going to schedule any games here. Kroenke has gone public through his spokesman and said, this is an $8 billion revenue for FIFA. We're not giving them SoFi Stadium for free so they can make $8 billion. We have to be taken care of as our facility to staff yeah. it and all that. And so FIFA has decided that the championship games are either going to be a Jerry Jones place, AT&T in Dallas, or MetLife Stadium, Meadowlands, uh, in New Jersey. But right now, they don't have SoFi on any of the schedules for the group play, the preliminary games. How can that be possible? Well, I, I applaud Stan Kroenke for standing up to those corrupt FIFA guys, you know, that are always working these deals under the table money, et cetera. But they're going to still play in L.A. I mean, they're going to play in the Coliseum or the Rose Bowl or something like that, right? I well, mean, the, they, the, the potential is there to maybe rent those facilities. Yeah. But it's not SoFi Stadium. It's not an event at a great venue. Yeah, I mean, that that's premier. I mean, it's a premier venue. And it's really almost identical to Jerry World, right, in Arlington, so AT&T. So, uh, yeah, this is – it's cool that Kroenke is, like, standing up for this. But, you know, all the other big stadiums, they'll be happy to have the World Cup there. And they're going to probably give the FIFA guys a sweetheart deal. Kroenke just doesn't want to play that. How can you have group play and not have any of the games on the West Coast? Southern California is a mecca. Well, you'd still be on the West Coast. I mean, they could play where the 49er Stadium or up in Seattle. There's a big soccer following up in Seattle. They won't play at Snapdragon. But the, the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum, yeah, that'll still work. Okay. Those are topics on the table. Hey. Our Thursday podcast, Going Towards a Great Sports Weekend, is brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. Build it. Fix it. For fall, we guarantee you will enjoy it. John, we got people from left field who want to be part. Look at that list. My goodness. We could go another hour just with fans for him. But go ahead, fire away. You pick the questions. We'll give them the answers. Okay. So this is from Raul. He says, the Raiders quarterback merry-go-round? Is that what's uh, going on? Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. I was hospitalized. Uh, they feared that he had internal injuries, and I don't know whether that was a bruised kidney or something with his liver or spleen, but he has not practiced, and he will not play. And Jimmy G, I mean, he's very impressive. You know his career record's 42-19. and 19. He can't stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they don't have a really good offensive line, and now he's out again, so I'm not sure who's going to start, whether they give the ball back to the rookie from Purdue Aiden O'Connell, last time we saw him, he fumbled three times against the Chargers a couple of weeks ago on his first start, or whether they go with the old dog, Brian Hoyer, at quarterback. But Jimmy G got blasted again, and he was in the hospital for more than 24 hours. Luckily, it does not appear that he injured a kidney or his spleen, but evidently took some real, real hits. 
So that's the merry-go-round report as it relates to the silver and bleak. I mean, silver and black. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they need another Division II backup quarterback like the Bears. But, you know, when Garoppolo was playing for the Niners, he had all those skill guys around him. So he just had to be a good kind of game manager and kind of get the ball out. But he needs to be Superman for the Raiders to win over there. And that's not going to happen. He took six sacks in, the, in that Charger game. Yeah. You know, and then he got blasted last week and... He's got Devontae Adams, but he has a substandard running back in Josh Jacobs right now. He doesn't have a lot of other skilled guys. He traded away their star tight end, Darren Waller. So I just just think the the Raiders right now are just really dysfunctional. And now Jimmy G is hurt. Next question. Next question. Let's go to Angel. And he says, if the Angels can get either Baker or Showalter, they should be an instant contender unless Moreno screws everything up. Well, you got to hire credibility, and I can't think of any other names of the potential managers available who have accomplished what Johnny Lee Baker and Buck Showalter have accomplished. And you got that credibility coming in the front door, and their message delivers to the players in the clubhouse, and then you use them as sales point men to go get other free agents to come here. And, you know, men, you sit down. You get Dusty or you get Buck to sit down with Otani, and maybe there's a different outcome because that message is, I've been there. I've done this. Do you want to go with me the next time we do it? We're going to do it here in Anaheim. That's my sales pitch. So I, I said this a week ago. There should be no grass growing under their feet at Angel Stadium. Go hire Buck if he's the right guy now or if Dusty becomes available in a week or two. Oh, yeah. Go get him if he still wants to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my opinion. But there's no way they're an instant contender. There's no Otani. Rendon is still... Rendon. Uh, Rendon, yeah. They don't really have a whole lot of pitching. And the minors league system for the Angels is is one of the worst. I mean, that's that's a major effort to rebuild that thing. It takes time, but you got a guy with a calling card of credibility. Mm-hmm. I think Buck and Dusty make a whole difference in the persona and how people and players... We'll view that organization. We move on. We move on. This is go to Joey, and he says, "Hey, is Drake May a better pro, pro prospect than the USC kid, Caleb Williams?" Well, the USC kid is really athletic. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. I think that Drake May is a, a sit in the pocket guy, can move the pocket a little, but he's not going to run and scramble like Caleb Williams. He's a really good quarterback at six foot four. And North Carolina, it's it's kind of odd. They're not in the top. 10 per se they're not on anybody's radar but i think they're five and one and they play virginia this weekend he's a really good pro passing quarterback who's probably going to be a first round draft pick but again acc is not sexy any longer because clemson's not clemson at least not this year now granted florida state's had a spectacular surprise season and they're ranked inside that top five and they're going to be a playoff team but uh, may is a really good quarterback yeah, he, he strikes me as being something special, but you don't normally talk about North Carolina as a no. quarterback place. But imagine if Caleb Williams is one of the top picks. He goes to Arizona, who's got nothing there, the cupboard's bare, and he ends up scrambling and ends up getting hurt just like Anthony Richardson. And we, we might see that again. Well, that that's part of his game, move the pocket, and he's going to have to refine his persona as to how he makes plays down the field. Now, hopefully he'll have better protection wherever he goes but that's that's so far down the road and we'll just have to wait and see 
Okay, moving on. This is a comment from Ed. I think, you know, all due respect to Ed, I think I read his comment previously and I channeled it to you. And he says, it will be a miracle if the Chargers beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Anything is possible. And the fact that Justin Herbert has won twice there, I guess I would never rule it out. But Patrick Mahomes is is telling Andy Reid and went public this morning. We are going to play at a faster tempo, which means they're going to go a lot more no huddle, and they're going to they're going to try to create terrible mismatches. I just think it's going to be hard because Mahomes is going against thirty second rated pass defense in the league, and the Chargers are thirty first in overall defense. Uh, I you know unless they're going to throw a net and a blanket or kidnap Kelsey, I don't know how the Chargers can be able to cover all the stuff that Patrick Mahomes is going to try to create. So yeah, yeah, I, I, it'd be a long shot. But I wouldn't rule it out because Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert, and he's won that building twice. Yeah, Chargers are going to be 2-4 and four come Sunday night. You can see it coming. Okay, let's go here to SG Sports Talk Channel. I'm going with the—this guy's a San Francisco homer. He says, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers winning over the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 52-17. to 17. Is that guy your brother in the Bay Area? I don't <laughs> I, 52. That's an awful lot of points to put up. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, he can throw that ball down the field, but that's San Francisco. And San Francisco is so overwhelming on offense and so fierce on defense. I just don't see any way that Minnesota is going to hang in this game. And their season is starting to ra- really unravel. It's really starting to get away from them because they, they changed a lot of personnel on defense. Now they got a bunch of injuries on top of everything else. And Cousins doesn't look like Kirk Cousins. He's not throwing for 380 yards a game. So I, I think San Francisco just continues to truck on, and they're, they're running over people. Yeah, well, are they, are they going to get Debo back and, and McCaffrey for this next game? Yeah, McCaffrey's going to play. I'm not sure about Debo. I've not seen that Frisco injury report, but they got the tight end, and they got the other wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, and they got yeah. McCaffrey, and they got Elijah Mitchell as the backup to McCaffrey. Now, they're... That's a really good football team, San Francisco. Yeah, I still rooting for O'Connell. You know, with the Vikings, I like to see him be successful. It, yeah, the Niners are going to win, but fifty-two to seventeen—that's a lot. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's go here to Gary, and he says Staley should go. He's a coordinator at best. Herbert has all the tools. Staley just doesn't have it. How long does it take to dump him? Well, if if they don't make the playoffs again, and right now they're kind of dug themselves a hole. There'll probably be some evaluation there. I'm just not the kind of guy that hits the eject button the first thing time, you know, first time things go sour or go sideways. But at the end of the day, with Justin Herbert, they're 27 and 28, and they have one playoff game, which was a just a horrific loss. Um, it's just they've just not been able to get all the players there and keep them on the field with all these injuries. So uh, I don't know. Uh, you could hit the eject button on Staley, but. Do you trust the Spanoses to hire the right guy? <laughs> of course not. No, well, they, I mean, they fired Marty Schottenheimer. He was 14-2. and two. They let Bobby Ross go before that. Yeah. And these are the people that fired the Hall of Fame coach, Coriel. And this is the <laughs> one that has given us Brandon Staley, which has not worked out after giving us uh, the, the, the coach prior to him that they hired. And before that was Mike McCoy. Uh, I, it, yeah. it was Lynn, right? Anthony yeah, Lynn? Anthony Lynn. Yeah. Brain lock here. Yeah. Uh, it's just... They haven't proven they can win anything, they being the Spanoses. Yeah. I like the roster. They've got a ton of athletes on the roster. But then you get to opening day, and guys just start going down. I've never seen an organization with the kind of injuries, a series of injuries. You know, prime example is Joey Bosa. 
they're, his cap figure is $30 million. He can't stay on the field. He's hurt all the time, whether it's knee, whether it's foot, whether it's hamstring, whether it's calf. It's, and now it's toe. It's just a tough, tough situation. So, I, you know, if they get torched in Kansas City, the, the, the temperature on the, on the front burner with Brandon Staley is going to get hotter. I just don't see them hitting the eject button at this point in time. But by this point in time, I would have thought whatever his resume was as a defensive coach would have been better. And his defense is 31st in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's a disgrace. But I have a theory on, on Staley. I think he grew out the beard with some of those gray hairs to give him more gravitas, you know, to make him look like he was more mature, older, tougher. Because before clean shaven, he looked like as young as the coach from Miami. I think he's doing it so he can be compared to Sean McVay. Uh, By the way, I cut class the day they taught English lit. <laughs> At Ohio University, I went drinking uptown. I admit that now. What does gravitas mean? You know, just cojones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, I think he did it because he looked like Sean McVay, who's not going to have a good season either by the time we get to the finish line. couple more here. Okay. Let's, uh, well, Raul just chimed in and said softball did. So, baseball's in the Olympics. It makes sense that softball goes in with them as a pair. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the men and the women. It makes sense, right? Flag football, baby. Flag football. Really? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's go to uh, 4RXLA. Bears will beat the Raiders just like Jeff Saturday beat them last year. I don't know if the Bears will beat the Raiders because they've got this Division Two undrafted quarterback from Shepherd State, West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know that that's possible. Um, Raider, you know, but the Raiders are starting their backup quarterback, so... This could be a Daniel Carlson field goal game, like Daniel Carlson kicks six field goals and the Raiders wind up winning 18-13 or something uh, like that. Not the, good. It, yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a game of like lowly teams. It's going to be one of the uglier games on the schedule. And here's uh, from John. He says, the ACC isn't Texas. Better tell Trevor Lawrence. Well, I mean, Trevor had a great career, and Trevor was playing pretty well in Jacksonville. He's not... He's not a hired gun. He's a really good, rock-solid, cross-the-board quarterback. But he's not a guy that's going to go out and throw for 4,500 or 5,000 yards. Uh, Jacksonville just does it a little bit differently. But the Atlantic Coast Conference, they're not what they were before because Clemson has kind of dropped dropped the ball. And they're not recruiting very well. And they don't use the transfer portal as they used to. And Alabama, Alabama slipped off the top 10. I mean, when in the last world time did we ever see Alabama ranked outside the top five, much less outside the top ten. Yeah, it's been forever. And they they have not dabbled in the transfer portal e- either. So mm-hmm. things have just kind of changed. Now, maybe it's a cyclical thing, and maybe in a year when the NCAA gets control of the NIL, which I think is going to happen when they get done with this uh, congressional hearings they've got, then I think things might come back to normal. But right now, it's just not. Hey, social media. You got any friends here who have uh, let us hear from them? <laughs> okay, let's get some social media guys in here. And let's go to the Astro comment here. Oh, wait a minute. I need to turn this off first. What am I doing here? Come on. All right, here we go. And this is uh, from Ghost True Capitalist. The cheaters. Yeah, keep crying about that. Seventh consecutive appearance in the ALCS. And they're still winning. Well, they are. And, and most of those guys who were involved in that are gone a chunk of them out of baseball and there's only one or two players left from that group so maybe this this will go away but when you think astros you think 2017 you think tainted world series title that's never 
ever going to go away. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I just want them to continue to suffer. Uh, and granted, you know, it's not fair to the other 20 guys on the roster. But here, let's get a, a USC comment. And this is uh, from the Smile Doc. He says, my issue is Lincoln Riley is so headstrong. He feels his offense will work all the time. And Notre Dame proved him wrong. Can he put his ego aside and do what we need versus Utah? Well, Utah doesn't have Cam rising, and they are really scuffling on offense, but Utah plays really hard. And I think Southern Cal will torch them. I think Caleb Williams will you know, have a, have a pretty good game against a very good Utah defense, but the Utes just can't move the football right now with their second and third quarterbacks on the roster. And I don't know if rising is going to play. And he's got, he's finally admitted that he had two torn ligaments in the Rose Bowl, and it's taken him forever. He is practicing, but they're not comfortable putting him on the field to play in a game. Uh, I think the bigger question for Southern Cal is, can they tighten the screws in that offensive front? You know, Caleb Williams has been sacked 10 times last two games that he's been out there. So that's that's been a big issue there. And I just don't know about the defense. For every every sack and every tackle for loss, they give up pass plays at 20 and 30 yards. There's guys running open in the secondary all the time. I just, you know, is USC going to make the playoffs? I mean, that's that's a big challenge because look who they still have to play. Trojans mm-hmm. still have to play Oregon, Washington, and the enemy across town, UCLA. So there could be another loss or two in there unless they can solve the protection problems for Caleb Williams. Let's do one more here. Okay, one more. Let's uh, let's talk a little about an NFL Sunday <laughs> ticket. This is from Ryan. He says, oh, the red zone is $14.99 a month on NFL, plus probably the best bang for your buck. But the NFL Sunday ticket for $499 is outrageous and ludicrous. Luckily, I live in L.A. market to watch my Rams. Well, we live in San Diego, and we do get have to watch the Chargers. But how do you watch Red Zone without your eyes getting crossed or getting a headache? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I punched that up and I've looked at all the all the screens and everything. I can't pay attention. I can't watch that. My head starts to hurt. There's too much things going on. I'm trying to pay attention mm-hmm. to. Well, they were doing that in uh, March Madness um, on YouTube TV. They'd have like four screens at once, and you could toggle between them. It was cool. The the guy that runs that uh, Red Zone, he's remarkable. You know the, mm-hmm. that the anchor, the anchor. I don't know. Is he still doing it? Is yeah. that that's uh, is that Siciliano? I'm like I can't remember exactly, but. Um, there's no way I'm going to pay the NFL for any of these. I'm just going to take what I get in my normal subscription, you know, with DirecTV or YouTube TV, and then you know we'll check highlights, we'll read scores online. Uh, but some of those guys that if if you have the full NFL Sunday ticket, you must either be a sports journalist or a gambler, right? Or rich. Or rich or fantasy football guy. See, I don't have a problem because I can just come over here and we can watch some games with you. Or if it's big enough. We'll just go watch it in some sports bar, which pays, and we could watch whatever game we want to watch. That's how we do it. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Thursday podcast as we kick off our great sports weekend. We invite you to tell your team, tell your followers, tell your friends about what we do on our YouTube channel, Thursday podcast, Monday bonus podcast. They both start at 3 p.m. Check my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. It is written. It is unbelievably deep in terms of sports data. And, of course, our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, San Diego. Nine locations to serve you. Plans, build it, fix it. We guarantee you will enjoy it at Dixie Line. John, have a great sports weekend. We'll talk to you Monday to do an autopsy on everything. (laughs) Show me your lightning bolt. (laughs) Chargers Chiefs. Hey, thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. 
Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.